So welcome, welcome everyone. We are continuing with a series on what would be a very important subject, and that is wilderness. And the reason I've chosen this because I felt a strong pull in my heart. In the last couple of uh, years, particularly the last two years, a lot of people have gone through so much. And when I'm talking about wilderness or deserts that happen, it may not be literally a desert for you. Listen, we are that uh, who are watching maybe in a different place, but we are in the metropolitan city of New York. It's a huge city. Uh, you don't have a wilderness, so to speak. It could be anything like a cement wilderness, but that's not necessarily the the wilderness that you can talk about. What the Bible to, what, what the Bible tells us: uh, waking land, uh, land that is wakened and forlorn. No, not at all. But nevertheless wilderness experience is with so many here and many have gone through very difficult time it could be for some of you that are watching it could be a long big hole of uh, problems and difficulties or it could be a health health issue maybe for you or maybe for someone that you love it could be lack of necessity especially with things rising up, and more so with what would be a job and scarcity. There's a lot of people being affected because of the aftermath of pandemic. We're almost at the edge of coming out, and we do not know what the future is. We're not entering into spring, but we're entering into winter at this time, and so uh, we need to take all the precaution, but thank God for his Thank God for his mercy. And it's a great opportunity that we can gather together. But I want to just say that God is specifically speaking to precious people that have gone and that are undergoing wilderness. And I have a word for you. God is reaching out and God is ministering and God is touching your hearts and your life. And he's going to give you a word in season, particularly in a time like this when you are going to get the word and you're going to stand upon the word and you're going to be blessed through and by the word of God. So I welcome you in this time and this opportunity to explore the word and to understand the precious promises of God. So I want to take a passage from Isaiah. In fact, the entire chapter is so relevant. Yeah, now that is better. Chapter 35 of the book of Isaiah. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. And the excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. We're not in Sharon and neither are we in Lebanon. But certainly in the experiences that we go through, we are going to see the glory of the Lord, even in the midst of whatever situation we go through. I'll be expounding on this book of Isaiah chapter 35, but I want you to listen. Uh, in verse, four, verse 3, strength you the weak, strengthen you the weak hands and confirm the feeble uh, knees. And that's what this word, that's what God's people is speaking to others that need strength and that needs uh, then feeble needs to be confirmed whether it is physically or whether it is spiritually or whether emotionally in Jesus name you be strengthened in Jesus name that God confirmed the feeble knees and make it strong and I pray this into your spirit into your body into your soul but listen to what it says in verse 4 say unto them that are fearful heart be strong fear not Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with recompense, and, and he will come and save you. 
This is a very powerful passage. It almost says the wilderness and solitary place shall be glad. They're welcoming you. How could a forlorn, dark place, almost a forsaken place, be something that welcomes us because there's so much that we derive, that we learn, that we experience, not just a head knowledge, but an experiential knowledge of something that we would never have known or learned or understood, a revelation that happens only in that wilderness. And I want to say this, hold on, hang on. It's not simply saying, I'm going to get out of it as fast as I can. No, wait until everything that God has planned and your destiny would be completed. Don't be in a hurry. God knows where you are. Just have patience. And the most important is to have faith and trust in God. I will talk about that probably this uh, today or maybe the next Wednesday, God willing. But I want you to know how it ends. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come in verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Are we talking about the wilderness? Are we talking about the desert? That's exactly what it says. The wilderness and solitary place in verse 1 shall be glad for them. And the desert will rejoice. You know what is interesting is in chapter, I believe in 41 and verse 19 is this very powerful passage. I may not be able to speak on this today, but it says here in verse 19 or 41, I will plant in the wilderness of Siddhar. I will set the desert and the pine and so forth. And then in verse 18, earlier it says, And I will open rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valley. I will make wilderness a pool of water and a dry land springs of water. How could it be a desert, a wilderness where there's no water? You know, there's a particular passage. I will talk about that, God willing, the next time in Second Kings chapter 3, about three uh, armies get together with King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat and the king of Moha, uh, Edom, going out basically to, uh, to be, uh, address a situation that Ahab wanted uh, done. In the midst of it, they come to a place with no water. They called a minstrel, a prophet. He had uh, someone sing, and while the song was going on, the word of the Lord came strong, and he just said, dig. And this is what it is. In the wilderness, dig deep down in your heart, in your spirit, Dig deep down into the word of God and to understand what you can learn, what a revelation we can receive from the Lord, even in this wilderness. I want to say how important it is, particularly this wilderness experience, because there isn't a person used in the Bible that haven't gone through a trial, that haven't gone through fire, that haven't gone through wilderness Desert experience, no, not one. In fact, it begins in the book of Genesis. A marvelous, wonderful relationship and intimacy with God. Our great-grandparents, the first direct creation, Adam and Eve, and when they fell, not because God hates them, not because God wants them to suffer, but that God would open their hearts to realize the abundance of his love and there's restoration because you find a lamb was provided, a coat was given, and the awesome promise of restoration through what would be the prototype that you find or the proto-evangelism that you find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed of that woman talking about the Messiah. 
that God would bring. And then comes all of the messianic prophecies of our Lord and of our Savior. And it is beginning from there is mission rescue, mission restoration, mission to save, to seek and to save that which was lost. That culminates in the New Testament. Everything is a pattern, a type, a shadow, bringing us to the end and the finality of the coming of Jesus. But we are in the wilderness, like Adam and Eve were. But the very important lessons that has to be treasured, the very important, uh, 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 the value of obedience and temptations to be avoided are all rolled up in many, so many ways that we find in the book of Genesis. You know, what I find is wilderness becomes a training ground. Wilderness becomes a profound place where we learn things we could never, ever learn otherwise. You know, when you think about it, Enoch never had what would be a desert. Maybe he was literally in the desert stand, sand. But what I find for him, the wilderness, was simply ungodly people. In fact, the book of Jude refers to it several times, this godly man in the midst of ungodliness. And it was a wilderness of people that just refused to talk about God or love God or to simply follow his words. Enoch could have just said, I'm swallowed up by the wilderness of people that are ungodly. But what we find in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 22, in the midst of all of this, Enoch walked with God. Not just after he went to be with the Lord, while here on earth, in the midst of the wilderness of ungodliness, and ungodly men, and ungodly culture, and ungodly situation and environment, this man walked with God and you can walk with God in your wilderness. You can walk with God in the situation you are going through right now. And we need to learn. It is that ungodliness and it is the wilderness. It was not an excuse for this wonderful man Enoch. But it comes to a training ground where he comes to a recognition. I need God. I need to have intimate relationship. That is what. Wilderness does. Wilderness is a dark, lonely place. And that I want you to understand something very important. God is not letting you go through this so you would suffer. That you would go through all of this wilderness experience and deprivation. And what we'd be in our time and in our season. This which is so unexpected. This which was simply unscripted, that just walked in when no one was even thinking about it, that COVID came in and boom, it's like he, this thing shut the whole world. It has been our wilderness, not just New York, wherever you are, you've experienced almost the same thing that we have gone through. We have a common experience. I've began with a series right in the thick and thin of COVID two years ago, that this is something global just like the flood. It is not affected just New York or just Queens or Jamaica of New York. It is, it is all over the world, just where you are, in the far reaches, wherever you are, you and I have shared experience of what we have gone through and going through. 
Many have lost loved ones. Many have lost jobs. Many have lost their homes. Many have lost. Uh, but what I'm going to speak about is many who are depressed and sitting down forlorn and simply going through a very difficult time. This word is particularly for you. That in our wilderness, it should not stop us, but it must make us walk with God like Enoch. You know, when you think about these great men, for Noah, it was the flood. And it was in that time when he was shut in that we have gone through that shut in experience. Noah learned obedience. In the midst of very difficult environment, animals, 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 and so forth. But he learned to simply listen to the words of God because he heard God speak, go in. He heard God speak, now go out. These were words that you call quality time. And when you realize, not too late, not too early, it's time we shut in, it is time we come out. Otherwise, we're missing the beat and the rhythm of our life and we'll be wasting our life. So here is this man locked in, shut in, locked down, whatever you want to say, but he was attuned to the word of God. And it's so important. Now, when you look at people that have gone through this, Abraham was another man. He was a man that went through, and what I find in the Bible, he walked the length and breadth of the land, claiming this for his future posterity, for people that would come after him called the children of Abraham. And as yet, he had not won. The only land he possessed... The only land he could call his own was one piece of land that he purchased for his wife's burial that also becomes this and becomes uh, the descendants of some of Abraham's children. But yet by faith he walked the length and breadth that becomes what would be the territory that God has given to the Hebrew. It was a wilderness training. It was a wilderness faith walking. And we find the book of Ephesians telling us to sit, to stand, and to walk. All these postures are important. You cannot walk without first sitting. And that's a time like Noah, a time like so many, were forced to sit and yet be attuned to the word of God. And secondly, to be able to stand and Ephesians tell us, having done all to stand and hold on to your faith, don't lose it. Stir up the gift that is within you. And then to walk. Walk with the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. And this is very important. You know, one of the lessons I find is uh, women, and God is so considerate, there's no discrimination with God. An Egyptian woman by the name of Hagar happened to be, of course, Sarah ill-treated her, okay? Let's be honest. Sarah is a mother of uh, godly and so forth, and yet she literally exasperated Hagar, and she wanted to run, and she was pregnant with a child, all because of jealousy. Sarah couldn't have a child. Hagar is doing it for her. And then suddenly, what if uh, my husband basically moves more closer to Hagar, and it was a form of jealousy. In the first place, she was the one who basically made this door for Abraham when he was reluctant in the beginning. But at this point, she runs off into the desert and she sees the one who sees. That's the way she described the one 
God who sees all things. What is so amazing is in that desert wilderness experience, God gives her a very, very important and at a very solid word. In fact, princes will come. Prince comes out of that, uh, of her. And you find that even today, no matter how much we might basically pull down and say the Arabs are going to hell and all of that, my friend, the Bible simply talks about what God promised Hagar, and we must be fair about it. In her wilderness, she cried out to God, and God said something, go back. And go back, it caused a lot of faith to go back to the very person that ill-treated her, to go back and to be bear the child. And all of this is very important. There's a time you need to go back, a time that you need to leave. And Hagar was obedient. In the wilderness, she saw and she heard and she obeyed. That is very powerful. You know, every one of Abraham's children that have been used of God have been through the wilderness. Jacob did. What I like about the experience that Jacob had, he was a very difficult person. In fact, uh, you almost could say he is a split personality. He comes from a very godly home, and he had the deception and con artist in him. I mean, he wanted to make a fast buck. He wanted to cheat people. He wanted to lie. And he met his match with Laban, his father-in-law. But then Esau is the one that frightened him, that he ran for all he could, because in his mind, Esau is come out to have to kill him. Esau was more noble. He comes out to greet him. And let's again talk about the Ishmaelite and the Esau people. They're not as bad as you think, just in case we glorify just one sort of people. Esau was coming to bless him. In fact, he was trying to bribe. Jacob wanted to bribe Esau. He said, no, I don't need this. I just came to meet you. Know this, Esau had been deprived. His, birth, uh, his birthright in a tricky way was taken away. And the blessings of the father was to, he wept. Is there not a blessing, father? And Isaac said, no, I've given it to Jacob. What a way he stole. And yet what I find is Esau comes to the place in Jabbok. And it is there. That's a great transformation. God wrestled with Jacob in that wilderness. Can you hear? Can you hear this? God wrestled with Jacob. If he had not, Jacob would still be a corn artist. Jacob would still have been lost in his own flesh. But out of that experience of wilderness with God wrestling comes up Israel. Prince with God. Wow, you take this man that is a con artist. He had such great upbringing. He had such nobility in his family. A legacy of righteousness, godliness with Abraham. And what a mess. But God was gracious. And there is a time in Jacob's life. He's Jacob. And there's a time when he comes to become Israel. And God speaks to him, Jacob. And then says, Israel. Until he comes out of that Jacob to that Israel, prince with God, we all go through that. Thank God. God wrestled and did not give up on Jacob. God is wrestling with you. 
God is speaking to you. It's almost like you and God at night are literally fighting, saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on. And you are, you know what? It's a godly prayer fight. I don't understand this. Why is this coming upon me? Jacob did that. But Jacob was frightened. By the time he came out, he was willing to face Esau. He was willing to face the world. And with this family totally dysfunctional, broken up, Jacob was able to bring together, pull together the grace, the favor, and the mercy of God. And the sons of Jacob, literally, are what would be the patriarchs. Out of that is Judah, from which, of course, the tribe of Judah, where, from where the word Jews come out. So you find Jacob's experience, but so to Esau. And so to others, let's say Joseph, for him, it was different. It was a prison, falsely accused, put into prison. And yet he's a man with a great vision, great promise, a great destiny. How could God have done this? The only way by which you could learn and become all that God calls you to be is being formed in the wilderness. Lives are transformed, lives are changed, and your destiny will be accomplished. And what brings it out is the gold is refined, the dross is removed, and out comes the finest of the finest gold. And in this you find Joseph. Much later you wonder how did this man have wisdom, and it says... In Psalm 105, he taught senators wisdom. How could it be? The senators went to the greatest schools, the greatest universities of, of uh, Egypt, and yet he is a man out of prison teaching them wisdom. It is the wilderness training. Training to reigning. That is what God does through the wilderness. You know, when you look at these people, what an amazing way. Moses, of course, 40 long years. But what wildernesses does, it's empty, barren desert, wilderness, empties you. And Moses needed that emptying. His mind was full of the wisdom of Egypt. He used the technology and what would be the science and the war and the principles of war, and in what he did was not a defense, pure attack against a man that he had nothing in except what he saw. He killed an Egyptian. He ran out to the desert, and God had him. You would think he's wasted 40 years, my friend. No, God emptied him of all that he could boast about until then God could fill him with all that he could receive from God. That is what Paul talked about. He said it was in the deserts of Arabia, Galatians chapter 117. And then I go to meet the great guns in, in Jerusalem. He learned, and the mysteries and the visions and the revelations come in those lonely moments when no one wanted to touch him. He was like a hot potato. Nobody wanted him close by because they were suspicious of him. In that moment when he was forsaken, when no one wanted him, it was that moment of training that Saul 
becomes Paul. What a marvelous transformation. So here you find Moses, and then you find the children of Israel. We did that last Wednesday. But I want you to know that no matter what you learn from so many people, it is hard to fathom how and why would the Lord Jesus Christ go through the wilderness. I mean, we can understand about Moses and Joseph and Adam and Eve and, and Enoch and all, but why? In the first place, why would Jesus even have to be baptized? Uh, John the Baptist says, I'm not worthy to touch the very shoelace. And you come to me so righteousness could be done. That I would be an example. That he becomes the greatest teacher. But I want you to know he was pushed into the wilderness. And I'll be talking about Revelation. What you find in in um, Luke chapter 3 and verse 33, the voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, an acclamation, a recognition, or revelation. But then comes what would be the cost of it. In chapter 4 and verse 1, the Holy Spirit pushes him, drives him, literally compels him into the desert. Revelation can only be fulfilled through the crucibles of wilderness, through the training grounds pushed where Satan is waiting for him. I want you to understand that revelations would mean nothing and people have revelations after revelation, dreams after dreams, word after word, and died with it, having realized nothing because they escaped the desert. They did not want wilderness. And God sent leanness on their soul, granted the request, the Bible says. People want to see the acts of God. But this is a tremendous, powerful principle. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 7, Moses knew the ways of God, while the rest of the people of Israel just wanted to see the acts of God. They wanted this thing. They wanted a limousine. They wanted this. They wanted the job. They wanted money. But literally... Everything came with no gratitude, cribbing. There was a leanness in their soul. But Moses knew the ways of God. Wow. How could he? He went through that 40 years in the wilderness. He desired to go up into the mountaintop, desired to see the glory of God. And it simply says, and God spoke to Moses as a man would speak to his friend. It doesn't come to just to anybody, someone willing to experience God in the wilderness. The children of Israel, the wilderness did exactly the opposite. They became gossipy, they become murmuring, they become angry. And in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 3, would to God that our carcass would lie in the desert. That was their desire. And literally that was granted. Be careful what you speak. What you hope for will come to pass, good or bad. And literally, life and death, in this case, death became because in their exasperation. And yet I'll be talking about David. He went through so much. And this is important. The reason that we are put in the desert is not simply for refining alone, but even more greater, that the greatest thing we would desire of God here is Moses in chapter 33 of the book of Exodus saying, 
Show me your glory, Lord. And God, no one has seen God, reaches out to Moses. What an unbelievable situation. What you find is an incredible way God reveals himself. And it is in our wilderness, like David went, his love for God, his desire for God increased. You know, one of the things we find when we are on the mountaintop, we're so occupied counting our intake, counting all the blessings, but never seek the blesser. When we lose it all, we have no blessing, but we go back to the blesser. It is not on the mountaintop, but on our knees. Amen. It is not upon where we have it all, but when we lose it all, and when we go through this unexpected and something never sent us a notice, pandemic is coming, and we were caught with it. It is at that moment, the depths of people are known. Many have given up, many have cursed, many have said, this is it, God has forsaken me. Or others have come out refined as gold, ready to be channeled and used by God. And what you find is, in the case of people that have gone through this, a desire like David, to love him, to desire him. Look at this man in the parched deserts, in the wilderness, running away from Saul, running away from the soldiers of Saul. And how do you respond? He was not like the children of Israel, complaining and griping and murmuring. In fact, you can read about it in, let's take Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, just to give us an idea. What you find in Psalm 42 and verse 1, as a deer panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee, O God. Here is a deer thirsty, panting for the river brooks. And this is David, thirsty for God. How marvelous are his Psalms written in the wilderness. You read this in Psalm 63, verse 1. You can read it again and again, almost all the Psalms that comes out of the wilderness experience. Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsted for you. My flesh longeth for you. In a dry, in a dry wilderness, thirsty land where no water is. Here's a man, unlike the children of Israel, turned his wilderness into pools of water that Isaiah chapter 41, verse 18 talks about. I'm going to bring pools out of your wilderness and streams out of the desert. It is so powerful. You know, I may not have time, but I just want to touch a few things about, we did about Moses and the Lord Jesus and also about the children of Israel. Let's just touch upon Joshua because I wanted to go all the way to David and going all the way to Elijah before we learn some wonderful principles we can derive from desert. The first thing I find in the book of Joshua, and I want you to understand this is very important. When you go into the book of Joshua, you find that there must be a charge and we must fulfill the charge. And the desert helps us to hear the charge. We can lose it all. And many a times we've come here, got a job, got a home, got a car, and it's like we fulfilled what is called the American dream. God did not bring us here to fulfill an American dream. Yeah. 
That is a side dish. But the main dish is to do the will of God, to fulfill the charge. So when you look at Joshua, when you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9, here is man anointed way before he became a leader. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit and wisdom. For Moses laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So he set forth. A wilderness sets you apart, sets you separate from the world. That is what the wilderness does. It marks you, it divides what is the flesh and the spirit, divides what is the bone and the marrow, and it makes you defined. You know what is of God, and you know what is not of God. What pandemic has done, it has shown us the red and black of life, but out of that comes the colors of God oozing, a technicolor. In other words, not one-dimensional. We become, of course, in the midst of all of this, what oozes out is a fulfillment of God's passion and desire for us. So here in charge, fulfill your charge, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul is telling young Timothy, the charge, the charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before you, that you may wage a war, a good warfare. That is the charge, fulfill that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, again, he says, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quicketh all things, and before Jesus Christ, before Pontius Pilate, witness a good confession. I'm charging you, even if you have to stand before Pontius Pilate, witness a good confession. Don't give up the faith. Son, Timothy. And just like Paul was a mentor, here is Moses a mentor for this young man, Joshua. And it was, he took the charge. In fact, there's a time in our life, the wilderness brings us to a place that's called crossover. When you look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3, listen to what we hear from this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan. This is important for us to go over Jordan, you and all the people unto the land which I give them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 3, the charge goes on, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you. Only you receive it if the human responsibility goes forward and you begin to move and put your foot, thread on it, then it's yours. So that is your job. I want you to understand something very important. In all of life, there is what is known as crossing over. Sometimes we get a pretty comfortable and we are very happy with what we got. The blessing sometimes spoils us. We keep our mind on the things beneath. But the Bible, remember, says, look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Look upon Jesus. I like this because Elijah actually was teaching this very important principle to this young man, Elisha. When you turn to 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9, 
you find it came to pass as they were gone over, passed over, passed over Jordan. Then Elisha said to Elisha, what shall I do for you before I be taken away? And Elisha knew exactly what he wanted. He had been following this man, putting his eyes right there. If Elijah were to wake up and take a cup of water, he would be following him. He doesn't want to leave him for a single moment. His eyes are focused. And he said, yes, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. It will not come unless you are willing to cross over. The first was Gilgal. The prophets of Gilgal said, okay, we're not going any further. It's too much for us. Elisha followed Elijah. Gilgal is the beachhead. It's the beginning of your spiritual journey. It's the first take. It's the first experience. It's the first inheritance. It's the first foretaste. The amazing aspect of the first fruit of the Holy Spirit and then the rest as you continue to walk with the Lord. Gilgal is important. It may be just a little piece, but Gilgal must be crossed. And if you don't cross the first, you never will be able to go to the second. And you find, yeah, Jericho is important, but if this man had not crossed Gilgal, he would never have crossed Jericho or even Jordan. The second is Bethel, learning from the house of God, learning things of God. That's the experience that he had, very much in tune with God's desire. The house of God is not an afterthought. It was very much in the thought of Christ. It's not man-made, although the local body may be the full expression and yet never perfect until we go to be perfect in heaven. When that which is perfect is come, then we will be. But till then, in our imperfection, we still strive to do all that God wants us to be. And Jesus is very possessive. He says, I will build my church. I will make my church. And that is his church. And that is the bride of Christ. Be careful. When we criticize something very, someone very close to God. So from Gilgal, he's going to Bethel. And from Bethel comes Jericho. That has to be crossed over. It has to be fought. It has to be broken down. That is the critical mass that keeps us. And there are always in life the Jericho, the critical mass, until and unless you cross over, you would never be going to the second, the third, or the fourth level. There always be walls. That defines you or you define the wall. It's broken in Jesus' name. Amen. We decree it according to the words of Job when he said, when you decree, it shall be done. I want you to realize ultimately, Elijah, uh, ultimately, Elisha is able to cross over Jordan. The prophets of Gilgal said, no, it's too much for us. The prophets of Bethel said, it's too much for us. We stop here at the edge. And the prophets there in Jericho said, no, no, we can't go over. That's way beyond our spiritual space scale. But here is Elijah following Elijah until he comes to Jordan and he crosses Jordan and then this man is always saying, what are you doing here? Go, go home, go home. And now after it, I mean, when you look at mentors, they do not put kid gloves on. But I want you to understand, they're not playing with children. They are talking to men. They're talking to women, solid. Suddenly he turns and says, what is it you desire? Excuse me? 
You've been chasing me all around, and now you're asking me, I know what I want. I've been in this dreaming and desiring a double portion. That's exactly what you find. Thirdly, let me say, that which the experience of wilderness thought Joshua. Remember, Joshua too was for 40 years in the wilderness with Caleb. What did it teach you? The principle of the word. Very important. Listen to what it says in the book of Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9. Let's turn to verse 6. And God is speaking and says, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto your fathers to give you. Literally, he divided the land before he died, fulfilling that destiny. How is it that Joshua, who never had this super spiritual mountain climbing, mountain revelation of God, it is because even though he was not privileged to experience God in a physical aspect, in a spiritual aspect, there was something that he did that made him greater. While Moses, in many respects, was fed up, wasn't able to bring the people into the promised land, Joshua did. What was the secret? Verse 7, verse 8. Let's read verse 7. Only be strong and be very courageous that you may observe to do all that which is in the word, which is in the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, Turn not from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper, prosper wherever you go. There is the biblical prosperity, spirit, soul, body in aspect. Not just one money and nothing else. You must be prosperous in your spirit, in your soul, in your body, in every aspect. Then in verse 8 it goes on to say, This book, the word, the scriptures, the Bible should not depart from your mouth. Speak it, but thou shalt meditate therein day in and day out, and thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein, and thou shalt make thy way, excuse me the word again, prosperous. How did he become prosperous? How did he become successful? And you shall have success. That is the answer, the word. Amen. That is the answer. Joshua heard this. He Understood in the wilderness, Moses is up there hearing the word. I want to hear the word of God. And when the word of God was written, God is saying, your success, your prosperity is on this. Don't depart from it. Speak it out. Verse 9, God continues to speak. Have not I commanded you? Be strong, be of good courage, be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goes. Luke 4, verse 4, is very important. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's from the book of Deuteronomy. John chapter 17, verse 17, the high priestly prayer of our Lord Jesus. He simply said, thy word is truth. That is truth. Everything else is lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. You can trust God yesterday, today, and forever. This is so important. What I like is the way in which the book of Job speaks about it like food. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter, um, Job chapter 23 and verse 12. I want you to look at the later part. Neither have I gone back from your commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have esteemed your word more 
than my necessary food. How did Job not stumble and fall apart? Listen to what it says in Psalm 19 and verse 10. More to be desired other than gold, sweeter than the honey. Oh, more to be desired are they than gold? Yea, than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. That is the word of God. So, Joshua, number one, I lay this charge on you. I lay hands upon you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. But comes the experience of the wilderness, I'm charging you. Stand and do what I have called you to do. Number two, he's able to do that. But what is the secret to do that? The word of God. And now comes the obedience. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. Look at this. Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, verse 11, pass through, go over. Why? Because he's obedient to the word of God. He says, prepare you the victuals for within three days you shall pass over, you shall cross over to go into possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. And out comes the obedience to the word of God. No wonder this man prospered in a spiritual, soulical, mental, in all aspects because he did what God called him to do. He took the people out, crossed the Jordan, and went right through and was able to fulfill his destiny, dividing the inheritance. You and I may not be doing that, but you and I have a specific task, fulfill the charge that God has given. As we go into worship, I'm speaking to people today. You have a wilderness, may not be necessarily what Job went through, or what Joshua went through, or even others went through, but certainly you can walk over your wilderness, walking with God as Enoch did. You can receive that revelation and then let the revelation be fulfilled as it was the Spirit drove him, our Lord, into the wilderness. That he was able to withstand the enemy and then came out in chapter 4, verse 40, verse 50, verse 5, ministering to people, coming out of the mountain and now ministering to people. You may say it's wilderness. Yes, this is the time to get out. There's a time to shut in. There's a time to come out. There's a time to minister. Don't stay shut in. You'll be locked out. You would miss your calling. You would not be able to fulfill the charge. It is time to come out and fulfill the ministry, fulfill the call, and do what God has told you to do. I pray this, Lord, bring a revelation. And may this revelation be tried and tested in the wilderness, even for the Lord Jesus. So he came out and then ministered to people. He went out, O oh God, it says, touching lives. Thank you, Father, for the wilderness causes the principles to become practices, the doctrines to become duties. Father, bless your people today. These ones that are here and those that are watching, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.